all through the night, Jesus was sleep-deprived. He was interrogated. He was struck. He was spat upon. His closest friends abandoned him. One of them had betrayed him, Judas Iscariot. Another, Peter, had come to where he was being held and tried. But when somebody realized that he was one of Jesus' disciples, he denied that he even knew Jesus. He cursed someone out. I do not know this man. And Jesus was alone. And then he was taken from the house of the chief priest to the courts of Herod the king. And he was taken to the courts of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And he was tried and he was abused more. He was scourged, whipped. And this whip would have had like not just one long whip like Indiana Jones, but at the end there would have been like nine strands coming out from the one strand and there would have been bits of rock and bone and metal there to tear open his back. A crown of thorns was pressed into his skull. And there are some who have done scholarly work into the kind of abuse that the Roman legions put on people who were being scourged. And, and they suggest that Jesus had even more terrible abuses than the Bible accounts. And in the end, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. But in his cowardice, he would not set an innocent man free. And so he passed it off to others and he told the crowd, hey, I have a tradition of releasing a prisoner to you at Passover. I can release this man or I can release this criminal, Barabbas. And the crowd said, give us Barabbas. And Pilate washed his hands and said, fine, I wash my hands of this, as if he could. That's what we do. We try to say, oh, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. But our sin stays with us. And Jesus was led to the cross, and he was so weakened by his sleep deprivation and by his abuses and by the blood loss that as he walked through the, the city of Jerusalem, he couldn't carry it any longer. And so they grabbed a man out of the crowd, a man named Simon, and this man, most likely from Africa, was there carrying the cross of Jesus. And while he was brought to the place of execution, he was nailed to the cross. He was lifted up with two other criminals. His mother and some of the faithful women were there mourning and grieving him. John, one of his 12 disciples who had abandoned him, came there at that final moment and was there with him. And Jesus, even though he was dying, even though he had been tortured and beaten, even though he was suffering public humiliation, he thought of his mother and he made arrangements for her. And he said, John, take care of my mother. You're responsible for her now. While he was hanging on the cross, there were two criminals on either side of him. And one of them just began to mock him. Here's this great man who now is dying on a cross. Just a week after people said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here he is in this humility. But the other thief said, we deserve to die. We're criminals. What wrong has this man done? And he says, Jesus, I remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. What great hope that we have 
knowing that we don't have to do anything good because that man on the cross could do nothing. That his salvation was based solely on the work of Jesus Christ, the work that Jesus was doing at that very moment. Some of Jesus' opponents and enemies, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, stood by and they mocked him. When Jesus cried out to his father, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is uh, you know, calling out to God, they misheard him and said, oh, he's calling out to Elijah. And they mocked him. And in the end, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. To prove that he was dead, he was pierced in the side with a spear. And blood and water came pouring out, which medical experts tell us that there was a, a literal heart breaking. The, the heart burst open. And he was shown to be dead. There was a man named Joseph of Arimathea who had been a believer in Jesus in secret and in the time of his death came out publicly and took the body and got permission to bury it in a tomb that was reserved for him and his family. And he was placed in the tomb. His enemies didn't want people coming and taking the body away and and somehow claiming that Jesus had risen from the dead because Jesus had said that'll happen. So they rolled a stone in front of the tomb and they placed guards in front of it. And there he lay. His disciples went into hiding. His enemies thought they had gotten rid of their problem. But you know what the Bible says? That when Jesus died, that there was a curtain. There is a curtain between where people could come and worship in the temple and the holy place where only the priests could go, where the Ark of the Covenant was to be held, and and no one could go in except them. There was a division between God and people. The Bible says that when Jesus died, that curtain was torn top to bottom in two. It's almost as if the hands of God reached and ripped it apart and said there is no more barrier. Jesus has made the way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father but through me. And in that moment of seeming defeat, the curtain was torn The barrier was removed. But it didn't feel like that in the moment. I look forward to gathering with our church tonight as we remember our Lord's suffering and his death, which he did out of love for you and for me. God bless you on this Good Friday. Know that Jesus loves you more than you could ever know. And he sacrificed himself because of that great love for you and for me and for all people. We'll see you again tomorrow as we continue to remember what our Lord did during Holy Week.